Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello. It's Trash Talk with TK on what I would classify as a sad day, uh, at least from entertainment purposes, uh, as Gabe Kapler fired as Philly's manager uh, for the organization it's the right move. I mean, Gabe Kapler deserved uh, to go. He he didn't do a good enough job in his two years here to warrant another year as Phillies manager. And from that perspective, it was the right move. It was the move the Phillies had to make. And, you know, I, I was kind of surprised that there was much decision-making involved with this because... You knew coming off of this season, this season which, let's face it, was epically disappointing. I mean, you go from 80 and 82 to 81 and 81 after all the offseason additions. I want to hear about the injuries, any of that stuff. The bottom line is you made massive improvements or you thought you made massive improvements and you only got one game better. That's not good enough. When that happens, people get fired. It's just the way it works in not just Major League Baseball, but professional sports. And Usually the first person to go, the easiest person to let go is the head coach or the manager because then you're not changing your organizational infrastructure, but you're getting rid of somebody to kind of appease the fans. And I think that's what some of this was. Um, Well, uh, like I said, I don't think Gabe Kapler did a good enough job. I don't think that he was the right man for this job. Not from a perspective as... You know, oh, he doesn't mesh with this city. I think that was overblown massively. You know, if a guy wins, I don't I don't care what his personality's like. If he wins and he gets results, that's all I care about. I mean, people will talk forever about, you know, personality matters and, oh, look at Buddy Ryan. His personality is great. Buddy Ryan sucked, okay? Buddy Ryan sucked as a head coach. And how much did it matter that his personality meshed with Philadelphia? The guy didn't win a damn thing. And, you know, and people dislike Andy Reid. I'll be like, I'll I'll talk about this forever. But Andy Reid's personality didn't mesh with Philadelphia. He was there for 14 years, had a lot of success. Did he ever win the Super Bowl? No. It doesn't mean Andy Reid was a bad coach. As long as the guy gets results, that's all that matters. I don't give a damn about the personality with the fans. That did not matter to me at all. But when you look at how Gabe Kapler managed this team, and I'm not talking from a strategical perspective. I'm not talking about, you know, in-game moves, setting lineups, pitching changes, stuff like that. Because we can always quibble about that kind of stuff. You know, unless it's egregious, it's tough really to, to know exactly what the right moves are. And when you look at Gabe Kapler's roster... I think he was dealing with a short deck for a lot of this year. I mean, with all the bullpen injuries, you know, he didn't have any bullpen to work with. But 
the reason in my mind why Gabe Kapler deserved to go and his biggest failure as Philly's manager was his failure to motivate the guys in that clubhouse and the guys on this team. Because you look at this team, there was never at any point in his two years here, and more specifically this last year, there was never a sense of urgency. There was never a sense of, you know, things are going bad. We need to turn it around right now. We need a kick in the ass, and we need to go change the way this season is headed. That never happened. And when you hear Gabe come out publicly and say, we're going to go on a run. Look at the Nationals and the Mets and the Braves. They've all gone on runs. We're going to go on one too. Not necessarily. And the evidence supports that. Because when you look at this Philly season, when was the one time that you saw a different attitude from this team? When was the one time you saw some urgency, some, some energy, some excitement? It was right after John Maley got fired. Charlie Manuel took over as hitting coach, and it it served as like a kick in the ass for this team. You know, it spurred them on. It got them uh, fired up about something. And I felt feel like with Gabe Kapler, there weren't enough of those instances. There weren't enough times where this Phillies team had a sense of urgency. And that does matter. And for that reason, that's the biggest reason why I do think Gabe Kapler deserved to go. Now, the manner in which this was done, I think, was ridiculous. I think it was embarrassing. I think it was unfair and disrespectful to Gabe Kapler. You know, to take almost two weeks after the season's over and string this guy along as if, you know, that he has a shot to come back. What purpose did that serve? What purpose did that serve? And you could say, oh, well, maybe he didn't know. Maybe he was deciding. Maybe he was going through, you know, a process of making sure this was the right move. That's BS. That is total BS. John Middleton had the last two months to come up with this decision. I mean, once you're eliminated from playoff contention, the decision's got to be made. This shows me that John Middleton is completely disconnected from his fan base, or or not his fan base, from his organization, that he doesn't know what's going on behind those walls. If you need to wait till the end of the season, then you need to figure out whether Gabe Kapler is the right guy for the job, then you need to go around asking players and asking front office people and asking people in your organization whether a change needs to be made. That shows that you are just lost, that you have no clue what the hell is going on in your own building. There's no excuse for that. And by the way, this wasn't enough. Firing Gabe Kapler was the right move as far as the manager's concerned, but you didn't go far enough. The bigger problems are still here. The front office is still here. Clentac and McPhail are still here. So what exactly is going to be changed by this? I mean, it's a start, but it's not, it's not enough. And the bottom line is, this organization has problems way bigger than Gabe Kapler. Way bigger than Gabe Kapler. And they have problems that stem larger than Clentac and McPhail. The problem is John Middleton. And people don't want to admit it for some reason. And, and this is why the personality thing is such a joke. It's such a joke. Because, you know, people will say, oh, we, we trust John Middleton as an owner. Look at the things he says. He's like us. 
You know, he wants his bleeping trophies at Eagles games and Jeff Lurie's box and all this crap. That's what it is. It's crap. John Middleton doesn't know what he's doing. John Middleton is incompetent as an owner. And who gives a damn if his personality meshes with Philadelphia if he doesn't know what he's doing? Seriously, who cares? I mean, look at a guy whose personality doesn't mesh with Philadelphia and who Philadelphia people don't like. And I'm not saying this guy is a good owner, but I'm saying he's better owner than John Middleton. And I'm talking about Josh Harris. Josh Harris doesn't have personality that meshes with Philadelphia. But at the end of last season, at the end of last season, after that playoff loss to Toronto, I'd say over 50% of people in this town wanted Brett Brown fired. What did Josh Harris do? Right after the season, takes all the intrigue out of it. The next day, Brett Brown's coming back. We know Brett Brown's the right guy for us. Brett Brown's coming back. Is it going to be the right decision? We'll see. But at least he shows conviction. At least he has an idea of what's going on in his organization. He didn't wait two weeks till after the season to decide whether you know you want to bring a coach back. No, he knew that was the right thing to do. John Middleton has no clue what is happening with his organization. If he did, Klintak would be gone, McPhail would be gone, and the changes this organization would have made would have been much bigger than Gabe Kapler. And until you know, John Middleton starts taking his job more seriously. Because, honestly, I don't think he... I, I think he looks at this as like a toy. The Phillies are like a toy. Like last offseason, oh yeah, I'm going to go out and buy all these players. Well, it didn't work. So what's your backup plan? He's got no backup plan. Because all he does is listen to McPhail, listen to Klintak, finally he breaks away and fires Gabe Kapler. He did this for a public victory. John Middleton didn't do this because he thought it was the right thing to do. Obviously, he didn't know what the right thing to do was, or else he would have done it right after the season. John Middleton is the biggest problem with the Phillies organization. And until people start to realize that, you know, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change with this organization. I mean, you can't force an owner to sell the team, but you can at least start calling the guy out for being the, the, the incompetent, you know, joke that he's become. Because this was an embarrassing situation. The whole saga of Gabe Kapler was ridiculous. And when you look at the future of this team, you know, how are they catching the Braves and the Nationals anytime soon? They have Those other teams have far better young talent. They're far better run in the front office. They have far more resources to get better. What are the Phillies going to do? I don't care who they bring in here as manager. I don't think a lot's changing. I mean, my choice would be Joe Girardi probably because he's the complete opposite of Gabe Kapler, and I think that he, that's the kind of manager this team needs. But the bottom line, I still think this organization's in really bad shape moving forward, and John Middleton's the one who has put them in this situation. Now I want to talk about the Eagles' big game this Sunday in Minnesota against the Vikings, the start of a really rough stretch for the Eagles, and thanks again to the Phillies for not getting the playoffs. This is kind of why, you know, the theories that the MLB specifically scheduled the Eagles to have three straight road games at this time of year um, because the Phillies would likely be playing in the postseason. Obviously, that's not the case. And the uh, the Eagles get screwed uh, to have to play three consecutive road games against tough teams, too. Tough places to play. I mean, you're playing in Minnesota, at Dallas, and then at Buffalo. It's a rough stretch. And then you have the Bears at home before the bye. And I've kind of talked about this recently on my shows that the Eagles need to win three out of these next four games. And one of them needs to be Dallas. 
Because when you look at the recent history in the NFL, basically you need a bye to go to the Super Bowl. And eventually, somebody's probably going to break that. Eventually, that won't be the case every single year. But the more this league evolves and the more health becomes an issue, it seems, more every year, that extra week of rest is huge. And no team who hasn't had a bye has gone to the Super Bowl since the Ravens went and won it in 2012. Since then, all 12 teams that have made trips to the Super Bowl from 2013 to 2018 have been the one or two seed and had a bye in the first round. So obviously that bye is critically important to getting to the Super Bowl. And you think realistically, to get a bye, you probably need to get to 12 wins. And the fact that the Eagles are 3-2, and you know, getting to 12 wins is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. you got to go 9-2 and the rest of the way to finish at 12-4. and I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible for this team because I think this team is, is, is very good. And they played well at times this year, have struggled at others. And obviously the injury to Deshaun Jackson, which, you know, I'm starting to really get concerned about. The fact that he's still not going to be back this week. May not be back next week against Dallas. This injury is turning into a really long thing. And you got to think with a guy like that who relies so much on his speed at his age. I mean, at that age, with this kind of injury, they linger. They linger. And it's starting to concern me because you see what this offense looks like without Deshaun Jackson. It's just not the same. It looks a lot like the offense looked last year where there's just no explosive element. There's nobody who can get down the field. And it's so hard to run your offense that way. It's so hard to score points and win football games when you're grinding out 10 to 15 play drives because it leads to penalties. Because with, with the way the league is calling penalties these days, how do you go 10 to 12 plays without a penalty offensively? It just doesn't happen. So you have to deal with penalties. you got to deal with negative plays. When you can just get a couple of those quick strikes a game, it changes everything. And it puts a lot more pressure on the offense, a lot more pressure on Carson Wentz to be perfect, and everybody to be perfect when you don't have those big plays that can bail you out of some of these situations. And just supplement so you don't have to complete these long drives time in and time out. And that injury is concerning. Hopefully get Deshaun back soon. But when you look at this team and the path to 12 wins, the next six games are going to tell the story this season. And the next four, you know, when you look at the immediate future coming up before the bye. If you can get two of these next three games, you get to, what would that be? Five and three, and then you have a home game with the Bears before the bye. I think you should win that game. You know, at home against the Bears team that has looked inept offensively, whether it's Mitch Trubisky, quarterback, or Chase Daniel, we know stinks. You know, the Eagles should be able to beat the Bears. As good as the Bears' defense is, the Bears' offense is not is not very good. And I don't know how they beat the Eagles unless the Eagles just totally imploded on the offensive side of the ball in that game. But these next three games coming up are tough. Minnesota is a very challenging opponent for the Eagles. They have a good defense, but a defense that the Eagles have moved the ball on. 
uh, the past three years, really. I mean, last year, the Eagles moved the ball effectively in that game. They had bad turnovers. I mean, remember Jay Ajayi had a bad fumble in the game last year against the Vikings. The Eagles shot themselves in the foot time and time again that game. And, you know, in the end, still kind of came back late, but but didn't really have a chance to win because of all the turnovers, all the mistakes. Obviously, the NFC Championship game, we remember how much the Eagles uh, just really dominated the Vikings in that game and moved the ball all over the field. Uh, granted, that was Nick Foles, but the point still stands. The Eagles dominated that game, were able to move the ball effectively. Then in 2016, uh, the Eagles beat the Vikings, and that was when Sam Bradford was quarterback for the Vikings right after the trade of Bradford to Minnesota. And the Eagles won that game defensively, but they did some things offensively in that game as well. But it's one of those games where, where the Eagles have shown the ability to move the ball on this team in the past. Um, the Vikings offense has a lot of good skill position players, but Kirk Cousins is not playing well. I mean, they won in New York last week, a game you'd expect. But Kirk Cousins is the kind of guy, he beats bad teams, struggles to beat good teams. And the Eagles, I am worried about the secondary. You know, the, the injuries at cornerback didn't really cost you last week because you were facing Luke Falk and the Jets, and they had no ability to throw the ball whatsoever. Um, the Vikings have good weapons. I mean, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook is, you know, one of the top rushers in the league right now. The key to the for the Eagles in this game is you got to stop the run. You got to stop the run. You got to make Kirk Cousins beat you. As much as it is scary with your corners, things are really going to get bad if you allow Dalvin Cook to run the ball offensively. Then you got to bring help up in the box. Then that allows Cousins to get the matchups that he likes. And when Cousins is on and Cousins gets the matchups that that he can take advantage of, he can play well. He's shown that ability. That's why he got signed to that massive contract. As much of an overpayment as it was, he got that contract because he's capable of playing well. That's why you got to stop the run, let, you know, be able to sit back in coverage and allow, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, Rodney McLeod, the linebackers, allow them to help out your 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 corners, whether it be Craig James or Orlando Scandrick or, you know, Sidney Jones hopefully will be able to go, but we know you can't really rely on Sidney Jones, even if he is active for the game to stay in the entire time. So you got to stop the run. You got to get that pass rush. I mean, the pass rush was great last week. We'll see this week. You know, I was very skeptical. I thought last week it was more the Jets than the Eagles being good. We'll see this week. Can they replicate that this week? Can they get that kind of pass rush against a better offensive line, against a far superior offense than the Jets in the Minnesota Vikings? So to me, this game really comes down to the Eagles' defense. It does. The Eagles are going to have to have a big game defensively to keep the Vikings off the board. I think the offense will move the ball. I do. I mean, points are, are going to be, it's going to be tough to come by those big plays as we've seen. But the Eagles have moved the ball on this defense in the past. Granted, all those games we talked about were in Philadelphia. Uh, the Eagles now going back to Minnesota for the first time since the Super Bowl. Haven't played the Vikings in Minnesota since, I believe, 2013. So it's been a long time since the Eagles have made a trip there to play the Vikings. Um, and they're going to have to, they're, they're going to have to move the ball effectively and score a decent amount of points. I, I think if the, if the defense can hold Minnesota to 24 or less, the Eagles should win this game. Cause I think the Eagles can, can churn out, you know, 
three touchdowns, two field goals, maybe four touchdowns, get to that 27 to 30, 31 range. I'm going to take the Eagles in this game. I, it's a tough call. It's a tough game for me to pick. But I think the Eagles are the slightly better team. You know, and on the road, it is tough. I feel much better about this game as if it was at the link, obviously. But I like the Eagles. I like the Eagles. I'm going to say 27-24, a late Jake Elliott field goal, possibly as time expires to end it. Um, but to me, this is a defensive game. Is if you let Dalvin Cook get going, if you let the Vikings offense get clicking, I don't think the Eagles will be able to win a total shootout. But if you keep it in that mid-20s range, I think Carson Wentz in this offense will be able to do enough to win this football game. And I'll take the Eagles in this one, 27-24. That'll do it for Trash Talk with TK. I'm TK Tom Kelly. Listen to me tomorrow night. I'll be on the air uh, Friday night into Saturday morning on 94 WIP, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. We'll go through the whole NFL card then and talk about the MLB postseason, the choker, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, We'll get into all that on the show, so make sure you catch me then. Talk to you guys next week. See you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.